Tonight, we'll be talking about laying down one's life for Christ's sake and discipleship. So if we start in DNC 103, verses 27 and 28, here the Lord is speaking to the saints in his conclusion to his continuation and commentary on the parable of the redemption of Zion in DNC 101. <clears throat> and so he's literally speaking to us today um, in regard to the events that are shortly to come upon us. Let no man be afraid to lay down his life for my sake. For whoso layeth down his life for my sake shall find it again. And whoso is not willing to lay down his life for my sake is not my disciple. Now, in Helaman 16, starting in verse 1. And now it came to pass that there were many who heard the words of Samuel the Lamanite, which he spake upon the walls of the city. And as many as believed on his word went forth and sought for Nephi. And when they had come forth and found him, they confessed unto him their sins and denied not desiring that they might be baptized unto the Lord. But as many as there were who did not believe in the words of Samuel were angry with him and they cast stones at him and upon, upon the wall. And also many shot arrows at him as he stood upon the wall, but the spirit of the Lord was with him insomuch that they could not hit him with their stones, neither with their arrows. And now when they saw that they could not hit him, there were many more who did believe on his words insomuch that they went away unto Nephi to be baptized. For behold, Nephi was baptizing and prophesying and preaching and crying repentance unto the people, showing signs and wonders, working miracles among the people, that they might know that the Christ must surely come. Telling them of things which must shortly come, that they might know the remainder and remember at the time of their coming that they had been made known unto them beforehand, to the intent that they might believe. Therefore, as many as believed on the words of Samuel, went forth unto him to be baptized, for they came repenting and confessing their sins. <laughs> now remember in Helaman chapter 10, Nephi had been sealed to the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood, or or. He became a high priest in the holy order of God. And regarding high priests in the holy order of God, if we go to Alma chapter 13. And again, my brethren, I would cite your minds forward to the time when the Lord God gave these commandments unto his children. And I would that you would remember that the Lord God ordained priests after his holy order which was after the order of his son to teach these things unto the people. And those priests were ordained after the order of his son in a manner that thereby the people might know in what manner to look forward to his son for redemption. And so we see Nephi fulfilling exactly the commission of a high priest in the holy order of God. And if you remember from previous Zoom casts, there are four orders of the priesthood that have been revealed to man so far on the earth. Uh, the first order is the first order of Aaronic priesthood, which is the Levitical order, which doesn't have the power to bless, but only to bind heavy burdens. The second order is the Aaronic priesthood. 
which contains the keys to the ministering of angels. And if you remember in 3 Nephi, chapter 7, we have the account of this Nephi's son. And by this time in the Nephite history that had the fullness of the gospel taken, demoted to the preparatory gospel, just like the children of Israel under Moses is recorded in DNC 84, and just like Latter-day Saints recorded in DNC 124. But having the Aaronic priesthood sealed upon him, it says in 3 Nephi 7, verse 18, the end of verse 17, And Nephi did minister with power and with great authority. And it came to pass that they were angry with him, even because he had greater power than they. For it were not possible that they could disbelieve his words. For so great was his faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, that angels did minister unto him daily. And as we read in DNC 76, verse 52, there are two parts to every priesthood. The first part is the ordination where a man receives authority. And the second part is the sealing of that priesthood. And that sealing only happens if the man proves himself true and faithful. So one of the events that is manifest in a man who has had the Aaronic priesthood sealed upon him is that he experiences the ministering of angels. And here in Nephi had angels minister unto him daily. And in the name of Jesus, he did cast out devils and unclean spirits. And even his brother, he did raise from the dead after he had been stoned and suffered death by the people. And the people saw it and did witness of it and were angry with him because of his power. And he did also many more miracles miracles in the sight of the people in the name of Jesus. So, you know, we do a great job in the church with uh, disseminating authority in the Aaronic priesthood, but then it's incumbent on each man to do what is required of him that he might have it sealed upon him. And <clears throat> these are some of the signs that follow a man who has had the Aaronic priesthood sealed upon him. So back in Helaman, chapter 16, verse 6. But before we start verse 6, um, the third order of priesthood that has been revealed is the first order of Melchizedek priesthood, or the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood. Now, this is talked about in DNC 84, and it is the power and authority to officiate in the terrestrial order, baptism by water by the Melchizedek priesthood, and to perform the ordinance of baptism of fire and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And as we read in DNC 8419, and this greater priesthood, the first order of Melchizedek priesthood, administer the gospel and hold of the key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Well, what's the key to the knowledge of God and the mysteries of the kingdom? Well, after one receives the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then one has access, if they continue to feast upon the words of Christ, to be taught, instructed, 
and given all the experiences that they yet lack to be able to, like Moses did in Moses 1, <laughs> part the veil and ascend into the seventh heaven and come into Christ's presence in his glory. And so the key of the knowledge of God is the key to be taught and instructed about how to enter Christ's presence in his glory, as is evidenced in verse 23. Now this Moses plainly taught to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. And in the next verse, we find out that beholding the face of God means entering into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory, which is more than a vision. And it's more than having Christ come down here and show himself unto a man or woman. It's actually going up into the heavens and coming into Christ's presence in his glory. And so the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, which is one of the main responsibilities of this order, of the first order of Melchizedek priesthood, is to perform that ordinance. And verse 20, therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And the power of godliness being manifest to man in the flesh is the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And verse 21, and without the ordinances thereof and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. Or in other words, when there is not a man upon the earth who's been ordained and sealed to the apostolic order of Melchizedek priesthood, it is not possible to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, or what comes after it, which is to be taught, instructed, and then to actually part the veil and enter into Christ's presence in his glory. And then the fourth order of priesthood um, that's been revealed to man in which you know, man has received is the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood. Now, you know, this, this order of priesthood is mentioned in many places, including Alma 13, including JST Genesis 14, including DNC 107, including Helaman 10. And this is the priesthood whereby a man is made a high priest in the holy order. And so this Nephi, who we read about, has been made a high priest in the holy order of God, or in the patriarchal order of the Melchizedek priesthood. And in DNC 76, we read that when a man has been ordained and sealed unto this power, um, verse 56, they are they who are priests and kings who have received of his fullness and of his glory. And are priests of the Most High after the order of Melchizedek, which was after the order of Enoch, which was after the order of the only begotten Son. Wherefore, as it is written, they are God's little g, even the sons of God, big g. And verse 66. And these are they who came unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly place, the holiest of all. These are they who have come to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of Enoch, and of the firstborn. These are they whose names are written in heaven, where God and Christ are all, are the judge of all. These are they who are the just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out his perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. Helaman 
16 verse 6. But the more part of them did not believe in the words of Samuel. Therefore, when they saw that they could not hit him with their stones and with their arrows, they cried unto the captain, saying, Take this fellow and bind him. For behold, he hath a devil. And because of the power of the devil within him, we cannot hit him with our stones and our arrows. Therefore, take him and bind him and away with him. And as many, and as they went forth to lay their hands on him, behold, he did cast himself down from the wall and did flee out of their lands <coughs> and even unto his own country and began to preach and to prophesy among his own people. And behold, he was never heard of more among the Nephites. And thus were the affairs of the people. And thus ended the eighty and sixth year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And thus ended also the eighty and seventh year of the reign of the judges. The more part of the people remaining in their pride and wickedness, and the lesser part walking more circumspectly before God. And these were the conditions also in the eighty and eighth year of the reign of the judges. And there was but little alteration in the affairs of the people. Save it were, the people began to be more hardened in iniquity and do more and more of that which was contrary to the commandments of God in the 80 and ninth year of the reign of the judges. And it came to pass in the 80 and ninth year of the reign of the judges, there were great signs given unto the people and wonders and words of the prophets began to be fulfilled. And angels did appear unto men, wise men, and did declare unto them glad tidings of great joy. Thus in this year, the scriptures began to be fulfilled. Nevertheless, the people began to harden their hearts. All save it were the most believing part of them, both of Nephites and also of the Lamanites, and began to depend upon their own strength and upon their own wisdom, saying, Some things they may have guessed right among so many. But behold, we know that all these great and marvelous works cannot come to pass of which has been spoken. And they began to reason and to contend among themselves, saying that it is not reasonable that such a being as Christ shall come. If so, and he be the son of God, the father of heaven and of earth, as it has been spoken, why will he not show himself unto us as well as unto them who shall be at Jerusalem? Yea, why will he not show himself in this land as well as in the land of Jerusalem? But behold, we know that this is a wicked tradition, which has been handed down <coughs> unto us by our fathers to cause us that we should believe in some great and marvelous thing which had come to pass, but not among us, but in a land which is far distant, a land which we know not. Therefore, they can keep us in ignorance, for we cannot witness with our own eyes that they are true. And they will, by the cunning and the mysterious arts of the evil one, work some great mystery which, cannot, which we cannot understand, which will keep us down to be servants, to the words and also servants unto them, for we depend upon them to teach us the word. And thus will they keep us in ignorance if we will yield ourselves unto them all the days of our lives. And many more things did the people imagine up in their hearts, which were foolish and vain. And they were much disturbed, for Satan did stir them up to do iniquity continually. Yea, he did go about spreading rumors and contentions upon all the face of the land that he might harden the hearts of the people against that which was good and against that which should come. And notwithstanding the signs and wonders which were wrought among the people of the Lord and the many miracles which they did, 
Satan did get great hold upon the hearts of the people upon all the face of the land. And thus ended the 19th year of the reign of the judges over the people of Nephi. And thus ended the book of Helaman, according to the record of Helaman and his sons. And one of the great values of studying the end of the book of Helaman and the beginning of third Nephi before the coming of Christ to the Nephites are the great parallels that exist between the Nephites of that time and the, the Latter-day Saints and you know the people of America in our generation. There's a cross-reference. Let's go to 2 Nephi 28. Nephi seeing our day and talking about the Latter-day Saints. Verse 14. They were stiff necks and high heads. And yea, because of pride and wickedness and abominations and whoredoms, they have all gone astray. Just like the, the Nephites in uh, Nephi's day. Save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they're taught by the precepts of men. Third Nephi chapter one. Now it came to pass that the night and first year had passed away. And it was 600 years from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. And it was in the year that Laconius was the chief judge of the, and the governor over the land. And Nephi, the son of Helaman, had departed out of the land of Zarahemla, giving charge unto his son Nephi, who was his eldest son, concerning the plates of brass and all the records which had been kept and all those things which had been kept sacred from the departure of Lehi out of Jerusalem. Then he departed out of the land, and whither he went, no man knoweth. And his son Nephi did keep the records in his stead, yea, the record of his people. So there's a common misunderstanding that the Nephi in you know, Helaman 5, at the time of the baptism of fire, baptism of the ghost of the 300, which led to the conversion of the entire Lamanite nation, and you know the one who um, the people went to after they heard Samuel the Lamanite prophesying um, was the same as when Christ comes in 3 Nephi 11, but it's not the same man, it's his son. And so here we have the changing of the guard. And it's inferred that Nephi was translated. Now, if we go to JST, <coughs> Genesis 14, and we read about this priesthood that Nephi the father, the brother of Lehi, had sealed upon him, the second order of Melchizedek priesthood, the patriarchal order, which, um, on a side note, is... Uh, the order of the priesthood that one must have sealed upon them to become part of the 144,000. And verse 29, and it was delivered unto men by the calling of his own voice, according to his own will, unto as many as believed on his name. 
For God, having sworn unto Enoch and unto his seed with an oath by himself, that everyone being ordained after this order and calling should have power by faith to break mountains, to divide the seas, to dry up the waters, to turn them out of their course, to put it defiance the armies of nations, to divide the earth, to break every band, to stand in the presence of God, to do all things according to his will, according to his commands, subdue principalities and powers, and this by the will of the Son of God, which was from the foundation of the world. Now, speaking of the men at the time of Enoch, and men having this faith, coming up unto this order of God, were translated and taken up into heaven. So, you know, this is the spiritual level of ascension required for translation. And, you know, Nephi certainly met that criteria. And the thing that determines whether or not one is actually translated when one has this priesthood sealed upon them is their mission. And so we have the record in Hedelman 10 of Nephi having this power sealed upon him, but he wasn't translated at that time because it didn't uh, comport with his mission. But later on, when his mission was finished, um, it does look like uh, he had a transition in his mission and was translated. And verse 7, and it came to pass that they did make a great uproar throughout the land. And the people who believed began to be very sorrowful, lest by any means those things which had been spoken might not come to pass. But behold, they did watch steadfastly for that day and that night. And that day which should be as one day as if there were no night, that they might know that there Faith had not been in vain. Now it came to pass that there was a day set apart by the unbelievers that all those who believed in those traditions should be put to death, except a sign should come to pass, which had been given by Samuel the prophet. Now it came to pass that when Nephi, the son of Nephi, saw this wickedness of his people, his heart was exceedingly sorrowful. And it came to pass that he went down and bowed himself down upon the earth and cried mightily unto his God in behalf of his people. Yea, those who were about to be destroyed because of their faith in the tradition of their fathers. And it came to pass that he cried mightily unto the Lord all the day. And behold, the voice of the Lord came unto him saying, lift up your head and be of good cheer. For behold, the time is at hand and on this night shall the sign be given. And on the morrow come I into the world to show unto the world that I will fulfill all that which I have caused to be spoken by the mouth of my holy prophets. Behold, I come unto mine own to fulfill all things which I have made known unto the children of men from the foundation of the world and to do the will both of the Father and of the Son and of the Father because of me and of the Son because of my flesh. And behold, the time is at hand and this night shall the sign be given. Now, it has caused many people to pause how Jesus Christ could be announcing um, his own birth the next day to Nephi. And, you know, as, as I see it, there are two possibilities. 
You know, one is, you know, what we commonly call divine investiture of authority, where one who uh, is granted uh, plenipotentiary authority from the Father of the Son speaks as if they were the Father of the Son. Um, and often, you know, Christ, you know, speaks for the Father. The other would be the very scenario that we see in Moses chapter one. Now in Moses chapter one, Moses has an ascension experience. He goes to the high mountain, not the earthly mountain or not an earthly mountain, but the heavenly mountain or the seventh heaven where Christ reigns in the fullness of his glory. In fact, in this ascension experience, we have an example of divine investiture of authority where Christ speaks as if he were the father, And about this, we learn that when a regular mortal first has the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, then has a brand new baptism of fire, and then that baptism of fire progresses to transfiguration. As uh, it says in verse 1, the words of God which he spake unto Moses at a time when Moses was caught up to an exceedingly high mountain, And he saw God face to face, and he talked with him, and the glory of God was upon Moses. Therefore, Moses could endure his presence. But in verse 11, but now mine own eyes have beheld God, but not my natural, but my spiritual eyes. For my natural eyes could not have beheld, for I should have withered and died in his presence. But the glory of God was upon me, and I beheld his face, for I was transfigured before him. Or in other words, Moses did not go up into the seventh heaven with his physical body, because that's not possible until one is translated. But what is possible is after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, after brand new baptism of fire, and after transfiguration, Moses' spirit was taken up to the seventh heaven. And so I suspect that as you know, Christ was in the womb of Mary, that he also was transfigured on the day before his actual birth. And during that transfiguration, uh, the spirit of Christ was able to travel and, you know, declare glad tidings unto, I would imagine many, but certainly unto Nephi. And that is actually how this was accomplished. And verse 15, and it came to pass that the words which came unto Nephi were fulfilled according as they had been spoken. For behold, at the going down of the sun, there was no darkness. And the people began to be astonished because there was no darkness when the night came. And there were many who had not believed the words of the prophets, who fell to the earth and became as if they were dead. For they knew that the great plan of destruction, which they had laid for those who believed in the words of the prophets, had been frustrated. For the sign which had been given was already at hand. And they began to know that the Son of God must shortly appear, yea, and find all the people upon the face of the whole earth, from the west to the east, both the land north and the land south, were so exceedingly astonished that they fell to the earth. For they knew not, or for they knew that the prophecies, or that the prophets had testified of these things for many years, and that the sign which had been given was already at hand. 
and they began to fear because of their iniquity and their unbelief. And it came to pass that there was no darkness in all that night, but it was light as though it was midday. And it came to pass that the sun did rise in the morning again, according to its proper order. And they knew that it was the day that the Lord should be born because of the sign which had been given. And it had come to pass, yea, all things, every wit, according to the words of the prophets. And it came to pass also that a new started to appear according to the word. And it came to pass that from this time forth, there began to be lying sent forth among the people by Satan to harden their hearts to the intent that they might not believe in those signs and wonders which had been, which they had seen. But notwithstanding these lies and deceivings, the more part of the people did believe and were converted unto the Lord. Now about that, if we go to Mark 4, 14, 15. The sower soweth the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they had heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And, you know, this is an eternal principle that when great light and knowledge is given to man on the earth, the adversary comes immediately and attempts to take away the light and truth that has been given. And I'm sure you'll notice that in your own life, that after you have had a spiritual experience and the stronger the spiritual experience, the more powerful uh, the adversary will come to try and take the, away the light and knowledge that has been imparted and make you doubt the experience. Verse 22 again. And it came to pass that from this time forth, there began to be lines sent forth among the people by Satan to harden their hearts to the intent that they might not believe in those signs and wonders which they had seen. But notwithstanding these lies and deceivings, the more part of the people did believe and were converted unto the Lord. And it came to pass that Nephi went forth among the people and also many others baptizing unto repentance, in the which there was a great remission of sins. And thus people began again to have peace in the land. And there were no contentions, save it were a few that began to preach, endeavoring to prove by the scriptures that it was no more expedient to observe the law of Moses. Now in this thing they did err, having not understood the scriptures. But it came to pass that they soon became converted, and there were, and they were convinced of their error that they were in. For it was made known unto them that the law was not yet fulfilled, and that it must be fulfilled in every whit. Yea, the word came unto them that it must be fulfilled. Yea, that not one jot or tittle should pass away, till it should all be fulfilled. Therefore, in this same year, were they brought to a knowledge of the error of their error and did confess their faults. And thus the 90 and second year did pass away, bringing glad tidings unto the people because of the signs which should come to pass, according to the words of the prophecy of all the holy prophets. And it came to pass that the 90 and third year did also pass away in peace, save it were for the Gadianton robbers who dwelt upon the mountains and did infest the land, for so strong were their holds and their secret places that the people could not overpower them. Therefore, they did commit many murders and did do much slaughter among the people. And it came to pass that in the 94th year, there began to be 
they began to increase to a great degree because there were many dissenters of the Nephites who did flee unto them, which had caused much sorrow unto the Nephites who did remain in the land. And there was also a cause of much sorrow among the Lamanites. For behold, they had many children who did grow up and begin to wax strong in years, that they became for themselves and were led away by some who were Zoramites by their lying and their flattering words to join those Gadianton robbers. And thus were the Lamanites afflicted also and began to decrease as to their faith and righteousness because of the wickedness of the rising generation. Chapter 2. It came to pass that thus passed away the ninety and fifth year also, and the people began to forget those signed wonders which they had heard, and began to be less and less astonished at a sign or a wonder from heaven, insomuch that it began to be hard in their hearts and blind in their minds, and began to disbelieve all the words which they had heard and seen, or disbelieve all which they had heard and seen, imagining up some vain thing in their hearts that it was wrought by man or by the power of the devil to lead away and deceive the hearts of the people. And thus did Satan get possession of the hearts of the people again, insomuch that he did blind their eyes and did lead them away to believe that the doctrine of Christ was a foolish and a vain thing. And it came to pass that the people began to wax strong in wickedness and abominations. And they did not believe that there should be any more signs or wonders given. And Satan did go about leading away the hearts of the people, tempting them and causing them that they should do great wickedness in the land. And thus did pass away the 96th year and also the 97th year and also the 98th year and also the 99th year. And also a hundred years had passed away since the days of Mosiah, who was king over the people of the Nephites. And 609 years had passed away since Lehi left Jerusalem. And nine years had passed away from the time when the sign was given, which was spoken of by the prophets, that Christ should come into the world. Now the Nephites began to reckon their time from this period, when the sign was given, or from the coming of Christ. Therefore, nine years had passed away. And Nephi, who was the father of Nephi, who had charge of the records did not return to the land of Zarahemla and could nowhere be found in all the land. And it came to pass that the people did still remain in wickedness, notwithstanding the much preaching and prophesying, which was sent among them and thus passed away the 10th year also. And the 11th year also passed away in iniquity. And the 13th, year there began to be wars and contentions throughout all the land for the Gadianton robbers had become so numerous and it slayed so many of the people and it laced to so many cities and it spread so much death and carnage throughout the land that it became expedient that all the people both the Nephites and the Lamanites should take up arms against them and you know certainly we can see these foundations being laid in our own land. Therefore, all the Lamanites who had become converted unto the Lord did unite with their brethren, the Nephites, and were compelled for their safety of their lives and their women and their children to take up arms against those Gadianton robbers, yea, also to maintain their rights and privileges of the church. 
and of their worship and of their freedom and their liberty. <coughs> and it came to pass that before this 30th or 13th year had passed away, the Nephites were threatened with utter destruction because of this war, which had become exceedingly sore. And it came to pass that those Lamanites who had united with the Nephites were numbered among the Nephites and their curse was taken from them and their skin became white like unto the Nephites and their young men and their daughters became exceedingly fair and they were numbered among the Nephites and were called Nephites and thus ended the 13th year. And it came to pass that in the commencement of the 14th year, the war between the robbers and the people of Nephi did continue and to become exceedingly sore. Nevertheless, the people of Nephi did gain some advantage of the robbers insomuch that they did drive them back out of the lands, into the mountains, and into their secret places. And thus ended the 14th year and the 15th year, they did come forth against the people of Nephi. And because of the wickedness of the people of Nephi, and their many contentions and dissensions, the Gedeon and robbers did gain many advantage over them. And thus ended the 15th year, and thus were the people in a state of many afflictions. And the sword of destruction did hang over them, insomuch that they were about to be smitten down by it, and this because of their iniquity. Chapter 3. And now it came to pass that in the 16th year from the coming of Christ, Laconius, the governor of the land, received an epistle from the leader of the governor of this band of robbers. And these were the words which were written, saying, Laconius, most noble chief governor of the land, behold, I write this epistle unto you, and to give unto you exceedingly great praise because of the firmness and also the firmness of your people. In maintaining that which ye Supposed to be your right and liberty, yea, ye do stand well, as if you were supported by the hand of a God, in the defense of your liberty and your property and your country, or that which ye do call so. <coughs> and it seemeth a pity unto me, most noble Laconius, that ye should be so foolish and vain as to suppose that ye can stand against so many brave men who are at my command, and who do now at this time stand in their arms and to await with great anxiety for the word to go down upon the Nephites and destroy them. And I, knowing of their unconquerable spirit, having proven them in the field of battle, and knowing of their everlasting hatred toward you because of the many wrongs which ye have done unto them, therefore, if they should come down against you, they would visit you with utter destruction. Therefore, I have written this epistle, sealing it with mine own hand, feeling for your welfare because of your firmness in that which ye believe to be the right and your noble spirit in the field of battle. Therefore, I write unto you, desiring that you should yield up unto this, my people, your cities, your lands, your possessions, rather than that you should, that they should visit you with a sword and that destruction should come upon you. Or in other words, yield yourselves up unto us and unite with us and become acquainted with our secret works and become our brethren that ye may be like unto us, not our slaves, but our brethren and partners of all our substance. And behold, I swear unto you, if ye will do this with an oath, ye shall not be destroyed. But if ye will not do this, I swear unto you with an oath that on the morrow month, I will command that my army shall come down against you and they shall not stay their hand and shall spare not, but shall slay you and shall let fall the sword upon you even until ye shall become extinct. And behold, I am Gideonhai, and I am the governor of the secret society of Gadianton, which society and the works thereof I know to be good, 
and they are of ancient date, and they have been handed down unto us. And I write this epistle unto you, Laconius, and I hope that you will deliver up the lands of your possessions without the shedding of blood, that this my people may recover their rights and government, who have dissented away from you because of your wickedness in retaining in retaining from them their rights of government, and except you do this, I will avenge their wrongs. I am Gideon High. And now it came to pass that when Laconius received this epistle, he was exceedingly astonished because of the boldness of Gideon High, demanding the possession of the land of the Nephites, and also threatening the people, and avenging the wrongs of those that had received no wrong, save it were they had wronged themselves by dissenting away unto those wicked and abominable robbers. And behold, now behold, this Laconius, the governor was a just man and could not be frightened by the demands and threatenings of a robber. Therefore, he did not hearken unto the epistle of Gideon High, the governor of the robbers. But he did cause that his people should cry unto the Lord for strength against the time that the robbers should come down against them. Yea, he sent a proclamation among all the people that they should gather together their women and their children, their flocks and their herds and all their substance, save it were their land unto one place. And he caused that fortifications should be built round about them and the strength thereof should be exceedingly great. And he caused that armies, both of the Nephites and of the Lamanites or of all them who were numbered among the Nephites should be placed as guards round about to watch them and to guard them from the robbers day and night. Yea, he said unto them, As the Lord liveth, except ye repent of all your iniquities, and cry unto the Lord, ye will in no wise be delivered out of the hands of those Gadianton robbers. And so great and marvelous were the words of the prophecies of Laconius, that they did cause fear to come upon all the people, and they did exert themselves in their might to do according to the words of Laconius. And it came to pass that Laconius did appoint chief captains over all the armies of the Nephites, to command them at the time that the robbers should come down out of the wilderness against them. Now the chiefest among all the chief captains and the great commander of all the armies of the Nephites was appointed, and his name was Gidgadoni. Now it was a custom among all the Nephites to appoint for their chief captains, save it were in their times of wickedness, someone that had the spirit of revelation and also prophecy. Therefore this Gidgadoni was a great prophet among them, as also was the chief judge. Now the people said unto Gidgadoni, Pray unto the Lord, and let us go up unto the mountains, into the wilderness, that we may fall upon the robbers, that we may destroy them in their own lands. But Gidgadoni saith unto them, The Lord forbid, for if we should go up against them, the Lord would deliver us into their hands. Therefore, we will prepare ourselves in the center of our lands, and we will gather all our armies together, and we will not go against them, but we will wait till they shall come against us. Therefore, as the Lord liveth, if we do this, he will deliver them into our hands. And it came to pass that in the 17th year, in the latter end of the year, the proclamation of Laconius had gone forth throughout all the face of the land. And they had taken their horses and their chariots and their cattle and all their flocks and their herds and their grain and all their substance did they march forth by thousands and by tens of thousands until they had all gone forth to the place which had been appointed that they should gather themselves together to defend themselves against their enemies. And the land which was appointed 
was the land of Zarahemla and the land which was between the land of Zarahemla and the land bountiful, yea, to the land which was between the land bountiful and the land desolation. And there was a great many thousand people who were called Nephites who did gather themselves together in this land. Now, Laconius did cause that they should gather themselves together in the land southward because of the great curse which was upon the land northward. And they did fortify themselves against their enemies. And they did dwell in one land and in one body. And they did fear the words which had been spoken by Laconius insomuch that they did repent of all their sins. And they did put their prayers unto the Lord their God that he would deliver them in the time that the enemy should come down against them to battle. And they were exceedingly sorrowful because of their enemies. And Gidgadoni did cause that they should make weapons of war of every kind. And they should be strong with armor and shields and with bucklers. And after the manner of his instruction. And I would cross-reference. In First Nephi chapter 1 verse 20. But behold, I Nephi will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are over all those whom he hath chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. And may I suggest that this is precisely what the Nephites um, in this day were doing. They were made, they were allowing the Lord to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance because they began to exercise sufficient faith in Christ. And, you know, what does it mean to exercise faith in Christ? Is it just belief um, for belief and trust in God is what hope is. And we must combine hope with faith. And faith is seeking after receiving and acting on revelation, which they were cer certainly receiving. And as they combined this with hope, the Lord would make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. Chapter 4. And it came to pass that in the latter end of the 18th year, those armies of robbers had prepared for battle and began to come down and to sally forth from the hills and from the mountains and the wilderness and their strongholds and their secret places and began to take possession of the land, both which were in the land south and which were in the land north, and began to take possession of all the lands which had been deserted by the Nephites and the cities, which had been left desolate. But behold, there were no wild beasts nor game in those lands, which had been deserted by the Nephites. <coughs> and there was no game for the robbers, save it were in the wilderness. And the robbers could not exist, save it were in the wilderness for the want of food. For the Nephites had left their lands desolate and had gathered their flocks and their herds and all their substances, and they were in one body. Therefore, there was no chance for the robbers to plunder and to obtain food, save it were to come up in open, save they were to come up in open battle against the Nephites. And the Nephites being in one body and having so great a number and having reserved themselves provisions and horses and cattle and flocks of every kind that they might subsist for the space of seven years in the which time they did hope to destroy the robbers from off the face of the land. And thus the 18th year did pass away. And it came to pass that in the 19th year, Gideon High found that it was expedient that he should go to battle against the Nephites. For there was no way that they could subsist, save it was to plunder and to rob and murder. 
and they durst not spread themselves upon the face of the land insomuch that they could raise grain, lest the Nephites should come upon them and slay them. Therefore, Gideon High gave commandment unto his armies that in this year they should go up to battle against the Nephites. And it came to pass that they did come up to battle, and it was in the sixth month. And behold, great and terrible was the day that they did come up to battle. And they were girded about after the manner of robbers. And they had lamb skin about their loins. And they were dyed in blood, and their heads were shorn. And they had breastplates upon them. And great and terrible was the appearance of the armies of Gideon High because of their armor, and because of their being dyed in blood. And it came to pass that the armies of the Nephites, when they saw the appearance of the army of Gideon High, had fallen to the earth and did lift their cries to the Lord their God, that he would spare them and deliver them out of the hands of their enemies. And it came to pass that when the armies of Gideon High saw this, they began to shout with a loud voice because of their joy. For they had supposed that the Nephites had fallen to the earth with fear because of the terror of their armies. But in this thing, they were disappointed, for the Nephites did not fear them, but they did fear their God and did supplicate him for protection. Therefore, when the armies of Gideon High did rush upon them, they were prepared to meet them. Yea, in the strength of the Lord, they did receive them. And the battle commenced in the sixth month, and the great and terrible was the battle thereof. Yea, great and terrible with the, was the slaughter thereof, insomuch that there never was so great a slaughter among the people of Lehi since he left Jerusalem. But notwithstanding the threatenings and the oaths of Gideon High, which Gideon High had made, behold, the Nephites did beat them, insomuch that they did fall back from before them. And it came to pass that Gideon High commanded that his army should pursue them as far. Or, and it came to pass that Gidgadoni commanded that his armies should pursue them as far as the borders of the wilderness, and that they should not spare any that should fall into their hands by the way. And thus they did pursue them and did slay them to the borders of the wilderness, even until they had fulfilled the commandment of Gidgadoni. And it came to pass that Gideonhai, who stood and fought with boldness, was pursued as he fled. And being weary because of the much fighting, he was overtaken and slain. And thus was the end of Gideonhai, the robber. And it came to pass that the armies of the Nephites did return again to the place of security. And it came to pass that the 19th year did pass away, and the robbers did not come again to battle, neither did they come again in the 20th year. And the 21st year, they did not come up to battle, but they came on all sides to lay siege round about the people of Nephi. For they did suppose that if they should cut off the people of Nephi from their lands, they should hem them in on every side. And if they should cut them off from all their outward privileges, that they could cause them to yield themselves up according to their wishes. Now they had appointed unto themselves another leader whose name was Zemnarihah. Therefore it was Zemnarihah that caused that this siege should take place. But behold, this was an advantage to the Nephites for it was impossible for the robbers to lay siege sufficiently long to have any effect upon the Nephites because of their much provision which they had laid up in store and because of the scantiness of provisions among the robbers for behold, they had nothing save it were meat for their subsistence, which meat they did obtain in the wilderness. 
And it came to pass that the wild game became scarce in the wilderness, insomuch that the robbers were about to perish with hunger. And the Nephites were continually marching out by day and by night and falling upon their armies and cutting them off by the thousands and the tens of thousands. And thus it became the desire of the people of Zemnariah to withdraw from the, their design because of the great destruction which had come upon them by night and by day. And it came to pass that Zemnariah did command, did give command unto his people that they should be, that they should withdraw themselves from the siege and march into the furthermost parts of the land northward. And now Gidgadoni being aware of their design, knowing of their weakness because of the want of food and great slaughter, which had been made among them. Therefore he did send out his armies in the nighttime and did cut off the way of their retreat and did place his armies in the way of their retreat. And this did they do in the nighttime and got their march beyond the robbers. So that on the morrow, when the robbers began to march, they were met by the armies of the Nephites, both in their front and in their rear. And the robbers who were on the south were also cut off in their places of retreat. And all these things were done by command of Gidgadoni. And there were many thousands who did yield themselves up prisoners unto the Nephites, and the remainder of them were slain. And their leader, Zemnariha, was taken and hanged upon a tree, yea, upon the top, until he was dead. And when they had hanged him until he was dead, that it fell the tree to the earth, and it cried with a loud voice, saying, May the Lord preserve his people in righteousness and in holiness of heart, that they may cause to be felled to the earth all who shall seek to slay them because of power and secret combinations, even as this man hath been felled to the earth. And they did rejoice and cry again with one voice, saying, May the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob protect this people in righteousness so long as they shall call on the name of their God for protection. And it came to pass that they did break forth all as one in singing and praising their God for the great thing which he had done for them in preserving them from falling into the hands of their enemies. Yea, they did cry Hosanna to the most high God. And they did cry, blessed be the name of the Lord God Almighty, the most high God. And their hearts were swollen with joy under the gushing out of many tears because of the great goodness of God in delivering them out of the hands of their enemies. And they knew it was because of their repentance and their humility that they had been, that they had been delivered from an everlasting destruction. Chapter five. And now behold, there was not a living soul among all the people of the Nephites who did doubt in the least the words of all the holy prophets who had spoken for they knew that it must needs be that they must be fulfilled. And they knew that it must be expedient that Christ had come because of the many signs which had been given according to the words of the prophets. And because of the things which had come to pass already, they knew that it must needs be that all these things should come to pass according to that which had been spoken. Therefore, they did forsake all their sins and their abominations and their whoredoms, and they did serve God with all diligence day and night. And now it came to pass that when they had taken all the robbers prisoners, insomuch that none did escape who were not slain, they did cast their prisoners into prison and it caused the word of God to be preached unto them. And as many as would repent of their sins and enter into a covenant that they would murder no more were set at liberty. But as many as there were who did not enter into a covenant and who did still continue to have those secret murderers in their hearts. Yea, also 
Yea, and as many as were found breathing out threatenings against their brethren were condemned and punished according to the law. And thus they did put an end to all those wicked and secret and abominable combinations in the which there was so much wickedness and so many murders committed. And thus had the 20 and second year passed away and the 20 and third year also and the 20 and fourth and 20 and fifth. And thus had the 20 and five years passed away. And there had many things transpired, which in the eyes of some would be great and marvelous. Nevertheless, they cannot all be written in this book. Yea, this book cannot contain even a hundredth part of what was done among so many people in the space of 20 and five years. But behold, there are records which do contain all the proceedings of this people. And a shorter but true account was given by Nephi. Therefore, I have made my record of these things, according to the record of Nephi, which was engraven on the plates, which were called the plates of Nephi. And behold, I do make the record on the plates, which I have made with mine own hands. And behold, I am called Mormon, being called after the land of Mormon, and the land in which Alma did establish the church among the people after their transgression. Behold. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I have been called of him to declare his word among his people that they might have everlasting life. And it hath become expedient that I, according to the will of God, that the prayers of those who have gone hence, who were the holy ones, should be fulfilled according to their faith, should make a record of these things which have been done. Yea, a small record of that which hath taken place from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem, even down until the present time. Therefore, I do make my record from the accounts which have been given by those who were before me until the commencement of my day. And then I do make a record of the things which I have seen with mine own eyes, and I know the record which I make to be just and a true record. Nevertheless, there are many things which, according to our language, are not able to write. We are not able to write. And now I make an end of my saying, which is of myself, and proceed to give my account of the things which I have, which have been before me. I am Mormon and a pure descendant of Lehi. I have reason to bless my God and my Savior, Jesus Christ that he brought our fathers out of the land Jerusalem. And no one knew it save it were himself and those whom he brought out of land. And that he hath given me and my people so much knowledge unto the salvation of our souls. Surely he hath blessed the house of Jacob and hath been merciful unto the seed of Joseph. And insomuch as the children of Lehi have kept his commandments, he hath blessed them and prospered them according to his word. Yea, and surely... Shall he again bring a remnant of the seed of Joseph to the knowledge of the Lord their God? And as surely as the Lord liveth, will he gather in from the four quarters of the earth all the remnant of the seed of Jacob, who are scattered abroad upon all the face of the land? And now Mormon is bringing us to our day and our generation. And as he hath covenanted with all the house of Jacob, even so 
shall the covenant wherewith he hath covenanted with the house of Jacob be fulfilled in his own due time unto the restoring all the house of Jacob unto the knowledge of the covenant that he hath covenanted with them. And then shall they know the Redeemer, who is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then shall they be gathered in from the four quarters of the earth unto their own lands, from whence they have been dispersed. Yea, as the Lord liveth, so shall it be. Now let's cross-reference JST Genesis 50. And starting in verse 25. And it shall come to pass, and this is revelation that was given to Joseph in Egypt about the restoration of the fullness of the gospel in the last days to his seed. And it shall come to pass that they shall be scattered again, and a branch shall be broken off, and shall be carried into a far country. Nevertheless, they shall be remembered in the covenants of the Lord when the Messiah cometh. For he shall be made manifest unto them in the latter days, in the spirit of power, and shall bring them out of darkness into light, and out of hidden darkness, and out of captivity unto freedom. And a seer shall the Lord God raise up, who shall be a choice seer unto the fruit of my loins. And thus saith the Lord God of my fathers unto me, a choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins, and he shall be esteemed highly among the fruit of thy loins. And to him will I give commandment that he shall do a work for the fruit of thy loins, his brethren. And he shall bring them to the knowledge of the covenants which I have made with thy fathers, and he shall do whatsoever work I shall command him. And I will make him great in mine eyes, for he shall do my work. And he shall be great <clears throat> like unto him whom I have said I would raise up unto you to deliver my people, O house of Israel, out of the land of Egypt. And now Joseph talks about Moses who would deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And he's just made the transition from talking about Joseph Smith, that end time seer who would be raised up, uh, who is being likened unto Moses because he would also, as is outlined in DNC 103, lead an end time exodus as Moses led an end time exodus. In fact, if we go to DNC 103, Verse 15, behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. And this is just what we're reading about, which was also a prophecy unto Joseph in Egypt. Verse 17, for ye are the children of Israel and the seed of Abraham, and ye must be needs let out of bondage by power and with a stretched out arm. And with a stretched out arm is uh, an Isaiah metaphor for the Lord's end time servant. And as your fathers were led at first, even so shall the redemption of Zion be. Therefore, let not your hearts faint. For I say not unto you, as I said unto your fathers, mine angels shall go up before you, but not my presence. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you and also my presence. And in time you shall possess the goodly land. 
And how is it that the Lord's presence will be, go before the people on this end time exodus? It's because the end time servant returns to finish the restoration, to open again the heavens, to again declare the doctrine of Christ to the world that the people might know how to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and be instructed about how to part the veil and enter into Christ's presence in his glory. And this is the mission on the end time exodus of the 144,000 to work with those individuals who have received the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and have ascended to the level of elect to help them ascend to the next spiritual level or the church of the firstborn level entering into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, that they might be prepared to enter into New Jerusalem. And regarding that, I turn to DNC 77. Verse 11, what are we to understand by the sealing of the 144,000 out of all the tribes of Israel, 12,000 out of every tribe? Answer, we are to understand that those who are sealed are high priests, as was Nephi, as we read about in the beginning of our discussion tonight. Those who are sealed are high priests ordained unto the holy order of God to administer the everlasting gospel for they are they who are ordained out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people by the angels to whom is given power over the nations of the earth to bring as many as will come to the church of the firstborn. And going back to DNC 103. Verse 20. But I say unto you, mine angels shall go up before you and also my presence. And in time ye shall possess the goodly land. Verily I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I liken the servant, to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I have given unto you. Therefore let my servant Joseph Smith Jr. see unto the strength of my house. And again, this is not in Joseph Smith's first ministry, but in his second ministry, in his return before the second coming of Jesus Christ. My young men, and they that are of middle age, gather yourselves together unto the land of Zion, which is established at the time of the end time exodus, upon the land which I have bought with money that has been consecrated unto me. And back to JST Genesis 50. Verse 29. And I will make him great in mine eyes, for he shall do my work. Talking about Joseph Smith return of the end time servant and he shall be great like unto him i have said i would raise up unto you to deliver my people o house of israel out of the land of egypt so again um we have uh you know testimony in dnc 103 and in gst genesis 50 and throughout the book of isaiah and at the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 23, that the end time servant would return and that he would lead an end time exodus that would rival the exodus of Moses out of Egypt. And in Jeremiah 23, which we went through last week, Jeremiah says that after this exodus, no more would the people talk about the exodus that Moses led out of Egypt, but they would talk about the that would culminate in meeting up with Enoch and establishing New Jerusalem. And verse 30. And again, a seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins. 
And unto him will I give power to bring forth my word unto the seed of thy loins. And not to the bringing forth of my word only, saith the Lord, but to the convincing them of my word, which shall have already gone forth among them in the last days. And this is corroborated by the words of Isaiah and quoted by Nephi in the Book of Mormon, that this end time servant would go forth and would convince the people of the words which should have already gone forth among them. And the words have already gone forth among them because of the translation of the Book of Mormon by Joseph in his first ministry. But his first ministry was not unto the convincing them of the word, but his second ministry is. In the last days, verse 31, wherefore the fruit of thy loins shall write, and the fruit of the loins of Judah shall write, and that which shall be written by the fruit of thy loins, and also that which shall be written by the fruit of the loins of Judah, shall grow together unto the confounding of false doctrines, and the laying down of contentions, and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins, and bringing them to a knowledge of their fathers in the latter days, and also to knowledge of my covenant, saith the Lord. And this is fulfilled when Joseph Smith comes back again on the scene, having finished the translation of the brass plates and his translation of the New Testament, which he only just barely started during his first ministry and the record of the 12 apostles and of John the Baptist. And all of these will go forward in that missionary effort with the Book of Mormon to establish a witness of the first unto the convincing of as many as who will unto the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the doctrine of Christ, which is based on the new and everlasting covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then now with the keys of the mysteries of godliness, being able to continue to feast upon the words of Christ and instructed how to part the veil and enter into his presence in this life, in the fullness of his glory. Shall grow together unto the confounding of false doctrines and the laying down of contentions and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins, which did not happen during Joseph's first ministry, but it happens in his second and bringing them to a knowledge of their fathers in the latter days, and also to a knowledge of my covenant, saith the Lord. And out of weakness shall he be made strong in that day when my work shall go forth among all my people. Again, this commences going forth among all the people at the time of the end time exodus. Which shall restore them who are of the house of Israel in the last days. And that seer will I bless. And they that seek to destroy him shall be confounded in his second ministry, not his first. For this promise I give unto you, for I will remember you from generation to generation, and his name shall be called Joseph, and it shall be after the name of his father. And he shall be like unto you for the thing which the Lord shall bring forth by his hand, shall bring my people unto salvation. Now, Let's cross-reference DNC 101, verse 44. A certain nobleman, 
had a spot of land, very choice. And he said unto his servants, go unto my vineyard, even upon this very piece of land and plant 12 olive trees. So the servants were Joseph Smith and those who were called Indians, the first laborers in the last kingdom. They're the ones who laid the foundation of the restoration. And as we see in verse 55, they're also the ones who return to finish the restoration and to um, go with Joseph as he leads the end time exodus. And notice that the planting of the vineyard upon the very choice piece of land is reference to the restoration of the gospel and Planting 12 olive trees was the beginning of the gathering out of Israel, but it got cut short. But it continues and is fulfilled in the return of the end time servant. And 1 Nephi chapter 14. Verses 7, 14, and 17. For the time cometh, saith the Lamb of God, that I will work a great and a marvelous work among the children of men. Now this great and marvelous work is not the beginning of the gathering of Israel, which happened during Joseph Smith's first ministry, but it is the fulfillment and continuation of the gathering of Israel during the end time servant second ministry. For I will work a great and marvelous work among the children of men, a work which shall be everlasting, either on the one hand or on the other, either to the convincing them unto peace and eternal life. And remember, as we read in GST Genesis 50, that in the return of the end time servant, uh, he would convince the people of the word which should have already gone forth among them convincing of them unto peace and eternal life or unto the deliverance of them to the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds unto their being brought down into captivity and also unto destruction, both temporally and spiritually, according to the captivity of the devil of which I have spoken. And let's cross-reference this to DNC 101. Verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue. Well, why does it have to continue? Because it was cut short. That I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. For the time of harvest is come and my word must needs be fulfilled. Therefore, I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares. That the wheat may be secured in the garnished position eternal life and be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be. So Christ has just laid the, the time and place and it is that generation in which he comes again in his glory so that there can be no confusion that this could pertain to Joseph Smith's first ministry. While verse 66, the tares shall be bound in bundles, their bands made strong that they may burn with unquenchable fire. Now, this separation of wheat and tares is among God's people. It's among the Latter-day Saints, and it's among all the restoration movements. Because the cleansing begins in the Lord's own house. You know, first among those who had access to the fullness of the gospel, as is contained in the scriptures of the restoration. 
going back to first Nephi 14. Now verse 14. And it came to pass that I, Nephi, beheld the power of the Lamb of God, that it descended upon the saints of the church of the Lamb. Now, this is the terrestrial order of the gospel that is restored by the end-time servant. Upon the covenant people of the Lord, who were scattered upon all the face of the earth, and they were armed with righteousness and with the power of God in great glory. And now verse 17. And when the day cometh that the wrath of God is poured out upon the mother of harlots, which is the great and abominable church of all the earth, whose founder is the devil. Then at that day, the work of the father, which is the marvelous work and wonder in the gathering out of Israel for the final time from the four corners of the earth, which shall commence at the time of the end time exodus. In preparing the way for the fulfilling of his covenants, which he hath made to his people who are the house of Israel. Now let's go to 2 Nephi 27. And verses 24 through 35. And again, it shall come to pass that the Lord shall say unto him that shall read the words that shall be delivered him the end time servant for as much as this people draw near unto me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precepts of men. And again, this is talking about the state of the Latter-day Saints at the time of the return of Joseph and the end time servants. Therefore I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people Yea, a marvelous work and a wonder, for the wisdom of their wise and learned shall perish, and the understanding of the prudent shall be hid. And woe unto them that seek deep to hide the counsel from their Lord, and their works are in the dark. And they say, Who seeth us? And who knoweth us? And they also say, Surely your timing of things, your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. Now I'd ask you to ask the Lord who these people are that the Lord speaks of who seek to hide deep their counsel from the Lord. Behold, I will show unto them, saith the Lord of hosts that I know all their works for shall the work say of him that made it. He made me not, or shall the thing frame say of him that framed it. He had no understanding, but behold, saith the Lord of hosts, I will show unto the children of men that it is yet a very little while, and Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be esteemed as a forest. And in that day shall the deaf hear the words of the book, and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Now, these are metaphors that are being used to describe the Lord's people. The deaf and the blind not literally meaning physically deaf and blind, but spiritually deaf and blind. Talking about the Latter-day Saints. The eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. And the meek also shall increase and their joy shall be in the Lord. And the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For assuredly, as the Lord liveth, they shall see that the terrible one is brought to naught. 
and the scorner is consumed, and all that watch for iniquity are cut off. And they that make a man an offender for a word, and lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. Therefore thus saith the Lord, who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall not now be ashamed, neither shall his face now wax pale. But when he seeth his children, the work of my hands, in the midst of the in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name, and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and shall fear the God of Israel. And also that erred, they also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. And again, I would read uh, one page over, Second Nephi 28. Nephi seeing our day and talking about us. They were stiff necks and high heads. And because of pride and wickedness and abominations and whoredoms, they have all gone astray, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Now, this isn't talking about um, the the Christian nation at large, this is specifically talking within the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. They have all gone astray, save it be a few who are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led that in many instances they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. Oh, the wise and the learned, the rich that are puffed up in the pride of their hearts, and all those who preach false doctrines. And all those who commit whoredoms and pervert the right ways of the Lord, woe, woe be unto them, saith the Lord God Almighty, for they shall be thrust down to hell. Woe unto them that turn aside the just for a thing of naught, and revile against that which is good, and say that it is of no worth. For the day shall come that the Lord will speedily visit the inhabitants of the earth, and in that day that they are fully ripe in the iniquity, they shall perish." Now, this has direct reference to what we just read in DNC 101 about the separation of the wheat and tares among the members of the church. Verse 21, and others will he pacify and lull them away into carnal security, that they will say all is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth, all is well, and thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. Verse 24, Therefore, woe be unto him that it, it, that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. And woe be unto him that hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and denieth the power of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what does this mean? Hearkeneth unto the precepts of men and deny the power of God. What well, we're told in verse 31, cursed is he that putteth his trust in man or maketh flesh his arm or shall hearken unto the precepts of men save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. So Nephi is seeing our day and he's saying the Latter-day Saints are going to accept as the word of God doctrine spoken and written by those who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, which will stand in sharp contrast to the return of the end time servant who will speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Verse 27. Yea, woe be unto him that saith, we have received and we need no more. Now this is not talking about the non-Latter-day Saints who say we have a Bible and we don't need the Book of Mormon. This is talking about the Latter-day Saints who say we have received all we need of the word of God and we need no more. And here's the litmus test. 
and in fine woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock, who is Christ in revelation, receiveth it with gladness. And he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth, lest he shall fall. Woe be unto him that shall say, we have received the word of God, and we need no more the word of God, for we have enough. Verse 32. Woe be unto the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Gentiles. Because that's the way Gentiles is used in the Book of Mormon to refer to members of the church. Saith the Lord God of hosts, for notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. They will deny me. And mine arm is another Isaiah metaphor for God's servants. Specifically the end time servant, Joseph, in both his first and second ministry. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God. If they will repent and come unto me, for mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. Second Nephi 29, verses 1 and 2. But behold, there shall be many at that day when I shall proceed to do a marvelous work among them, or in our generation, in the generation in which the end time servant returns, that I may remember my covenants which I have made unto the children of men, that I may set my hand again the second time. Or in Joseph's second ministry. To recover my people which are of the house of Israel. Remember the planting of the 12 trees at the beginning of the parable of redemption of Zion, which we read in DNC 101. That's the first time. Here's the second. And also that I may remember the promise which I have made unto thee, Nephi, and also unto thy father, that I would remember your seed, and that the words of your seed should be should proceed forth out of my out of my mouth unto your seed, and my word shall hiss forth unto the ends of the earth for a standard unto my people, which are of the house of Israel. Now, as we read in First uh, Nephi thirteen and fourteen, at the at the commencement of the end time Exodus. The first missionary effort that goes forth is to the Lamanites. And the fullness of the gospel is preached unto them in power and authority. And there will be a separation of the wheat and the tares among the Lamanites, as there will have just have been among the Latter-day Saints. And the wheat will join the end time exodus and the tares don't make it. And second Nephi chapter 30. Verses 3 through 18. And now I would prophesy somewhat more concerning the Jews and the Gentiles. Or, in this instance, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For after the book of which I have spoken shall come forth and be written unto the Gentiles. Book of Mormon. And sealed up again unto the Lord there shall be many which shall believe the words which are written. And they shall carry them forth unto the remnant of our seed. All right. This is um, the first missionary effort on the end time exodus to the Lamanites. And then shall the remnant of our seed know concerning us. 
how that we came out of Jerusalem and that we are descendants of the Jews. And the gospel of Jesus Christ shall be declared among them. Wherefore, they shall be restored to the knowledge of their fathers and also to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which was had among their fathers. And then shall they rejoice, for they shall know that it is a blessing unto them from the hand of God and their scales of darkness shall begin to fall from their eyes. And many generations shall not pass away among them, save they shall be a pure and a delightsome people. And it shall come to pass that the Jews which are scattered also shall begin to believe in Christ. Well, when does this happen that the Jews shall begin to believe in Christ as prophesied by Nephi? It's at the commencement of the Exodus, because once New Jerusalem is established, then there will be those who will send out from New Jerusalem to gather the believing Jews and separate the wheat and the tares from among them, that old Jerusalem may again be built up a holy city, and that temple which will be built to precede the second coming of Jesus Christ will be built and established. And they shall begin to gather in upon the face of the land. <clears throat> and as many as shall believe in Christ also shall become a delightsome people. And it shall come to pass that the Lord God shall commence his work among all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people to bring about the restoration of his people upon the earth. And with righteousness, a name for God's end time servant, shall the Lord God judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. For the time speedily cometh that the Lord God shall cause a great division among the people and will and the wicked will he destroy, and he will spare his people, yea, even if it so be that he must destroy the wicked by fire. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. And then shall the wolf dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together with a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. And they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, as waters cover the sea. Wherefore, the things of all nations shall be made known, yea, all things shall be made known unto the children of men. There is nothing which is secret, save it shall be revealed. There is no work of darkness, save it shall be made manifest in the light. And there is nothing which is sealed upon the earth, save it shall be loosed. And wherefore all things which have been revealed unto the children of men shall at that day be revealed. And Satan shall have power over the hearts of the children of men no more for a long time. And now, my beloved brethren, I make an end of my sayings. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.